Hey, 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 glad you're here. Maybe the concept of faith, faith in God, faith in Christ, is so challenging because there is so much unknown, so much unseen. There's such a lack of understanding. I mean, think about faith. Faith calls for a trust and a firm belief in a hope that cannot be observed in a test tube, and it can't be explained with human logic or reasoning. Faith in Jesus as the Son of God is a call to transcend human physical capacities and limitations and and dare to believe that there's more. And the human mindset struggles with that. I mean, we're, we're pretty selective with our faith, aren't we? Well, episode five of The Chosen, oh man, you're in for a good one this week. It exposes our fight with faith. Oh, the story is so well written. In, in, in the story this time, it has Nicodemus witnessing for himself the aftermath of Mary Magdalene being freed from the demonic spirits. And he says, I am searching for an explanation for something I cannot unsee. And Nicodemus, the way the writers put this story together, knew that only God could heal Mary. So the thought of this uneducated carpenter from the despised Nazareth doing it, well, that was the basis for his faith fight. And then we switch over to Peter and Andrew who are drowning in this crippling debt. And there's this ever looming judgment from the Roman government. So when Jesus produces the great catch of fish, a great catch that naturally would have broken all of their nets, a catch that that doesn't fill one boat to the brim, but two boats, it's at that point that Peter, he realizes, I'm in the presence of someone who can command fish. His own sinfulness becomes all too apparent, so there his fight with faith is just thinking, Lord, you need to leave me. I'm, I'm nothing like you. I've doubted you. I don't. You need to just depart from me. Of course, Christ doesn't. Instead, he asks Peter to follow him. And I love the way the writers put together Thomas in episode five. He, he articulates, Thomas articulates his own personal faith fight. You know, the they ran out of wine and there were the jars. And, and so Jesus says, fill the jars with water. <laughs> what do you have when you have jars full of water? You have a bunch of water, but they need more wine. So Thomas just says, from the directions you have provided, I see no logical solution to the problem. <laughs> I mean, hasn't, Hasn't that kind of been our response in life at different times? Jesus, what I'm facing, there is no way out. There's an obstacle I can't get around. Jesus, my family is broken. Jesus, my finances are in a tailspin. Jesus, my health is diminishing. Jesus, my marriage is in trouble. And Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what. Throw all of your anxiety on me. Focus your attention on me. Listen to me. And I'll get you through this. And 
And we're left thinking, okay, you, you've, you've given me the directions to focus all of my attention on you, to cast all my anxiety on you, and I'm, I'm not really quite sure how to do that. I've just told you some of my problems. From the directions you've just given me, I see no logical solution to the problem I've just told you I'm in. Nowhere is this more clearly demonstrated than in the marriage celebration that Jesus and his followers attended. Pick up the book of truth. There was a wedding in the town of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his followers were also invited to the wedding. When all of the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus answered, Dear woman, why come to me? My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. In that place, there were six stone water jars that the Jews used in their washing ceremony. Each jar had about 20 or 30 gallons, held about 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled the jars to the top. Then he said to them, now take some out and give it to the master of the feast. So they took the water to the master. When he tasted it, the water had become wine. He did not know where the wine came from, but the servants who had brought the water knew. The master of the wedding called the bridegroom and said to him, people always serve the best wine first. Later, after the guests have been drinking a while, they serve the cheaper wine. But you have saved the best wine till now. No one ever before or since had turned water to wine. Jesus' directions to fill those jars with water did not provide a logical solution to the problem of running out of wine. But it's right at this point that faith has a chance to grow. We, we have a chance to take a step. Will we follow Jesus' directions Anyway, Charles Spurgeon has a great statement. He said, the Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. Could that be true? Is what we're going through a part of something bigger? There are several ways to look at the evil God allows or the good that he initiates. Some of our lives are lived at times like we're on an anvil. And if the blacksmith wants to change some iron object, he, he simply heats up the furnace and places that piece of steel back into the fire and gets it soft enough to where he can start hammering it into another shape. It's a concept that's all through scripture. God would say through Isaiah, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Solomon the wise would write, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and God tests hearts. And Peter the fisherman would say, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Something larger is at purpose in what we're going through. 
But our Father isn't only a smith at work in our lives, reshaping and remolding us into his desire. He's also a mason. And a mason doesn't work so much with iron and fire, but with stone and chisel. And he cuts into the stone and it sets in motion the beginnings of something that cannot be undone. And soon a formless chunk of rock begins to transform into something altogether different. And it will never be the same. There are already countless cuts and chips into our lives setting into motion directions and shapes that can't be changed. Things like his love and protection or his counsel and provision. Jesus is the most important stone, the foundational cornerstone, and we are becoming a part of what he is building. Peter the fisherman again said, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He is chiseling and shaping each one of us into living stones to be a part of something holy, something useful. Another unchanging fact is what he said again through Isaiah. I have written, I have engraved, I have carved your name or you on the palms of my hands. It, it's engraved because it's permanent. In Christ, you are forever engraved into the palms of God's almighty hands. As a smith, as a mason, God is shaping, God is chipping, God is chiseling, God is remolding our lives into something wonderful and purposeful for, for His glory. The faith fights we encounter along the way are not accidental. They are a part of this whole refining, repurposing process. Gary Parker has a great statement on this. Look at this. If faith never encounters doubt, if truth never struggles with error, if good never battles with evil, how can faith know its own power? In my own pilgrimage, if I have to choose between a faith that has stared doubt in the eye and made it blank, or a naive faith that has never known the firing line of doubt, I will choose the former every time. Well, Wherever we are in life, in our faith fights that we are battling, know this, the one who began this gracious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So, may the Lord give us faith to trust him, to know that he is good, and to know that his love is great.